everyone, and welcome to our Pastors Podcast, You Asked. I'm your host, Drew McKay, and we're here with Pastor Chris, Pastor Eddie, and Pastor Justin. Today, we'll be discussing the following questions that were texted over the last two Sundays. So before we get started, Justin, why don't you give us um, kind of an overview of the last couple of Sundays that we can launch into those questions that were submitted. Sure. Yeah, so the last two Sundays, we have been um, walking through 1 Corinthians 14. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth um, and addressing a lot of ways that their corporate worship had um, kind of gone sideways, was a little bit out of control. Um, They had been wrongly practicing the gift of prophecy and the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, Sounds like there were some situations where the men were not leading in the church. And so the women were kind of stepping in to fill a void in some ways that were not what God had designed. Um, And so Paul is writing a corrective letter to them. And so we just walked through each of those topics, those three main ones of the gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, role of women in the corporate gathering. Um, There's, there's a lot in there. If you haven't listened to the sermons, encourage you to go back and see those. Um, But that's, that's kind of the overview of where we were at and uh, where these questions are coming from. Okay, so um, several of the questions regard, um, especially where it says women should remain silent in churches, Um, you know, talking about our worship gatherings, our Sunday school classes. Um, So what do you guys, what is Paul addressing when he says that women should remain silent in the churches? Yeah, so, so the context of 1 Corinthians 14 is, and what Paul's writing to there, is referring to the, the corporate gathering of the church. And what was happening was there were prophecies being rendered in, given in the, in the gathered assembly. Um, and what Paul said is each of those prophecies should be tested. And the testing of the prophecy in the corporate gathering was the responsibility of the elders, of the pastors. And so what what was happening in the church at Corinth then was instead of the pastors giving that judgment and guarding the doctrinal purity, they were not doing that. And the women were um, stepping up and they were making doctrinal judgments about the prophecies given. And so Paul is saying, no, that's that's not the plan. That's not how God has designed things. Um, this This role has been given to biblically qualified leadership. So it's not just women be quiet, men, you can do the talking. So, you know, there are specific people that have been entrusted with this task. Uh, and it's, it's the elders that are supposed to do that. And, uh, and so because of the, the specific of that context, um, I would then apply that out to us and say in a, um, in a corporate gathering, that is, that is a spot where the pastors are the ones who should be preaching the word of God, who should be making authoritative um, doctrinal proclamations, judgments, as it were. Um, but as you move into other settings where there are Christians in the same church gathered, um, there's a great opportunity for the wisdom um, across the body of Christ, for men who are not pastors, for, for women to contribute to discussions um, to make observations about a passage, to make interpretations, to make applications, to speak truth into each other's lives, um, all sorts of things like that to happen. Um, and so I think that's what, what Paul is getting at. Um, and so it's, it's not 
um, a silencing mechanism on women anytime they're with other Christians or anytime they're inside the four walls of the church. It's Paul giving some regulation to an orderly corporate worship service. So Justin, would you say that other kind of meeting, like for example, for us specifically, we have a corporate gathering before that, there's a Sunday school classes. So would you say, is that that different than the corporate gathering? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that environment lends itself for much more of a of a community discussion where there's usually somebody um, kind of leading people through and kind of having a, a kind of a more open discussion on things. The the format and the structure is geared that way. I think that's why in you know First Timothy, Paul you know, commands that you know to preach with authority, right? So when we gather together, there is an authoritative aspect to that um, that's different than. Um, than a Sunday school class or a small group or a group of Christians getting together to discuss, you know, the Bible, uh, having a Bible study. Uh, it is a very different format, and that's what Paul's addressing there. And I think it, it was good, like this Sunday after, it, it's funny how they went together this Sunday. So after after the message, or actually um, before the message, we had, we had watched uh, the judges' videos that we're doing, and uh, we haven't talked about Deborah and a woman, you know, with who led as a judge and, you know, kind of the, the connection of that to the, to the passage and this question about women was very interesting uh, in kind of seeing those two come together. And obviously the issue here for women is not that they are incompetent or that they are somehow unable to, to, um, to discuss doctrine or unable to make decisions on doctrine, unable to even teach and have a gift. Uh, but there's a very specific role that God has given so I was telling my kids, you know, God's given a very specific role in the church in one very particular way, and that's for men to lead as pastors. Uh, that's a unique thing about um, about the church. And so, uh, so when we we look at that, that's something that that we need to understand that that is a unique role given to local church that we believe is Parkside Bible Church. That that is a male only role for the pastor, um, and therefore that's why this context and why that conversation about women came up. Yeah, anything else you guys would add about um, just these questions on, on women and prophecy? I don't think so. We had a extended conversation on this on a podcast uh, maybe six weeks or so ago. Um, and I think if go back and re-listen to that podcast, if you have other questions. And after the, the sermon that Chris preached uh, maybe mid-February on this topic, the podcast there, sermon I had, this podcast, if there's still questions beyond that, reach back out to us. Certainly want to address those, but I, I don't I don't know there's a specific question out there that I, I think needs to be addressed at this point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we've been talking about this subject uh, for several weeks now. Uh, if you're, maybe these questions were coming in because people were hopping in right at this particular message, really go back and look at the previous uh, You Asked podcast that answer this in detail. Chris's and it, and really, if you have more questions after that, um, maybe find a time to uh, we could call you or do a, a Zoom call. I'd say we could grab uh, coffee, but the the times don't allow that right now. Um, but if if you're still having questions, it might be something better worked out on a one on one basis. Yeah, for sure. So our next question asks. It uh, says, the, the New Testament church gathering looked entirely different than our modern church gathering. 
Are you saying that our church would be open to someone standing up during worship or preaching and start speaking in tongues if someone was there to interpret it? I realize you said cautions used, but how could tongues be used in an orderly way in our service structure? And yeah, that's a really good question again. Uh, the view that, that I laid out was a view called open but cautious, where we're open to the gifts of the Spirit, um, especially some of the more what seem um, maybe called the sign gifts. Um, they seem more supernatural. We believe all the gifts are supernatural. Um, and so we're, we're open to all of the gifts, but we're cautious in the use of some of them. Um, and, it, and it's a good observation that's made that the New Testament church gathering did look uh, really different than what 21st century um, Western American church looks like. Um, and so just to assume that things can be transferred right across is, is not a good thing to assume. Um, so what would that practically look like in our service structure? Because we do have a fairly um, rigid and a fairly scheduled service structure where we know exactly what's going to happen. Um, and I, I would just reiterate what I said in the sermon is that if somebody thinks they have the gift of tongues, we would encourage them to come to the pastors and talk to us about that. Um, help us to understand um, how you, why you believe you have the gift of tongues, how you've practiced it perhaps in the past, um, you know, what that might look like or not look like at Parkside. Um, and we would want to enter into a time of prayer as pastors um, over that consideration because, like I said, one of the things that, uh, that again, I mentioned in the sermon is none of our pastors have seen the gift of tongues practiced in a biblically faithful way. Certainly does not mean it doesn't happen or couldn't happen, um, but there's going to be some caution and even some skepticism involved there. Um, and so I think the, the the first step would be, hey, come and talk to the pastors. Let's pray about it. And this, if we if we did believe that that was the case, that someone did have the gift of tongues and they should practice it in the corporate gathering, um, we would have to restructure some things. Um, I don't exactly anticipate that happening, um, but it's not something where someone would just randomly get up and start speaking in tongues and nobody really knows what's going on. That's clearly in violation of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Um, and so um, it, it would need to have an, an orderly and a peaceful um, process in kind of moving into that territory if we were even to do so. I don't know, Chris, Eddie, how, how would you guys add to that? Well, I, I think you did a really good job of explaining the primary purposes of both prophecy and speaking in tongues, where prophecy is mainly to be used within a church for believers, uh, giving that kind of um, call from God to somebody. And then the, the use of tongues it, even in the book of Acts and in the early church, we see as a primarily a missional tool. Uh, the speaking of tongues is mainly for those who do not yet know the gospel. Um, and so I, I think when we start talking about tongues being used in our church service, while that's not excluded, it's never, even in the New Testament, its primary purpose for it to be used within a church service. Uh, I've personally never seen tongues used uh, biblically, but where I have heard of it being used, it has always been on the mission field in a kind of a, a unique pioneer missionary kind of uh, uh, 
circumstance where, uh, you know, God does allow somebody to speak in a language that they have not previously learned in order for the gospel to go forward. I think that's the primary thing we've got to remember about speaking in tongues. It's not just this, hey, let me just stand up and say something. It's really purposeful and specific for the spread of the gospel. Yeah, and I would see that as a normal case that both of those gifts wouldn't necessarily be used as much in the corporate gathering. Like, like the gift of prophecy would be something that would be used during Sunday school hour, something they used during uh, the, the 30 minutes of fellowship before service or afterwards, because our service is very structured in the way that those on the stage, I could see maybe the pastor or somebody there has, you know, the, again, I, I like the way um, just, you brought up uh, Chandler said it, it's person, you know, prophecy is personalizing, basically the, the scriptures to an individual um and you would see a lot of that happen in more of an informal setting than a formal one in in general again not excluding it from formal but um then when it comes to tongues yes would be something that would you'd see primarily used outside of the gathered church uh for the sake of the gospel to people who don't know it well now i do think that's help i do think that's helpful to point out there is you know the acts 10 example of speaking in tongues it says there was about a tw about 12 guys were present. Or maybe it was a 12 person total church, um, but it seems more like it was a, a small group, uh, a missional community of small group, however you want to say that, where there were unbelievers present. And that was, um, that was how God chose to, to save those people. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, so for our last question, Pastor Eddie, it actually goes back to a, a message that you preach. So it says, a few weeks ago, we read in 1 Corinthians 13 that tongues will cease. Using this open but cautious view of these gifts, when will they cease? Yeah, the, the verse there is verse 8 from chapter 13, where it says, love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Um, and Paul actually goes on to kind of talk even more and more about everything passing away. And the language he is using there, that idea of ceasing and passing away, is the common language he uses anytime he talks about the return of Christ uh, and that kind of future hope that we have there. And so the, the idea that he's laying out there is not zeroed in on tongues. He's actually highlighting three different types of spiritual gifts as kind of a highlight of one day, all spiritual gifts will cease. When Jesus comes back, there's no need for spiritual gifts to help us as a church because we're now uh, the bride of Christ has come to its groom. Uh, you know, Jesus has come. But love will continue into that time. Um, and so what Paul's trying to make that point is, is that one day all of them will cease. And that day when all of them cease is when Jesus is back. That's when we are in the new heaven and new earth with Jesus. And at that moment, all those gifts are no longer needed, but love will continue. So the bigger point he's trying to make there is, yes, we need to care deeply about spiritual gifts and how we use them, but don't forget their purpose. The purpose of them, as Justin talked about the past two weeks, is to build up the church. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to show love. And love is what's going to continue even when Christ comes back. So don't lose sight of that. You know, we, our ultimate goal is to practice love, not prophecy. Our ultimate goal is to practice love, not speaking in tongues or whatever other spiritual gift. Yeah, I think on your, um, your devotional you did, you talked about the... Um, the teachings of Jesus, you know, uh, on this, on this day, 
um, after the temple cleansing things he did, that Matthew 24, verse 14 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, then the end will come. And I think that is close parallel to that passage, verse 13. There will be, there will come an end to those things. They will end once the gospel has gone out and God has brought specifically, you know, we think of our soteriology here that, you know, um, even this passage that God is, when he brings his elect in, when they've all been brought in, when all the sheep have been, all sheep been brought in, the end will come. Those gifts will no longer be needed. But for now, you know, those gifts, again, will come and go and they'll be used as needed. And especially, the, you know, the gift of tongues and languages there will be used to get the gospel out to unreached peoples and people who don't know Christ. And so they will continue until, until he returns. Yeah, and, and I would add there that, that many within the cessationist view that believe that the gift of tongues has ceased, they would interpret 1 Corinthians 13.8 in the exact same way. John MacArthur even says, like, you know, he's as, as um, intensive a cessationist as you'll find. Uh, and, and MacArthur <laughs> says that that's, that's not even the second coming. That's pushed further back to the eternal state. Right. When that, when that comes. So I don't think that, that the interpretation that we've just explained from 1 Corinthians 13, 8, of when the tongues, prophecy, knowledge, all that will cease, that's not specific to the open but cautious view. That's a pretty across the board, regardless of which view you uphold. Um, that's a, a pretty mainstream orthodox view of that, yeah. of that verse. Yeah. You, you have to do some pretty big, um, you know, gymnastics with the words to make it something else there. Um, because it's pretty common language used there in 13, eight to the end, common language of speaking of the end times. You're going to see Paul use that again all throughout his epistles. I have heard that applied to the um, speaking in tongues, other sign gifts in that, um, but I just don't think it's a very good, very good hermeneutic. Yeah, no, I've heard it applied as well. Like I said, you got to do some gymnastics to make it fit to a, it's ceasing now. For sure. Yeah. Anything else you guys have on this? We, what were, we recommended a few books to people just dealing with the spiritual gifts. Um, remind me again what those were. Yeah, we had re recommended in the monthly worship guide, Dr. Tom Schreiner's book on spiritual gifts. Um, that was pretty good. Um, I would also just encourage people to go back. There was a sermon series that I found really helpful at the Summit Church in North Carolina, where uh, J.D. Greer is the pastor. I believe it was called Rushing Wind. It's maybe four or five years ago. Um, and you can go back and um, they've got the, the videos of the sermons up. Um, and Pastor JD walks through this passage. Again, the, the name of the series is Rushing Wind, Summit Church, North Carolina, Pastor JD Greer. Um, I found that to be pretty helpful. Um, and there's some YouTube clips that are helpful of John Piper's got some good stuff in his, um, through his ministry, Desiring God. If you just Google John, John Piper speaking in tongues um, is, I don't know, six, eight, 10 minute clip or something that was as helpful and just have hearing him explain things. Looks like Pastor Chris is frantically searching for something like he's got a recommendation. No, he couldn't find it. <laughs> no, no, I was just looking for it specifically like the, the Shriner book is called Spiritual Gifts. 
Uh, we have another one in the bookstore called, you know, what is spiritual gifts? I, I can't find the, 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 the guy's last name slips me right now, but that's the very simple book of just, of just going through the, the spiritual gifts. Um, that kind of, those, those are sources I think of. Yeah. And I think I would just want to conclude and just remind everyone, these are secondary doctrines, whether it be the role of women in the church, whether it be the gift of prophecy, whether it be the gift of tongues, they matter because God has spoken to them. It's not that they're irrelevant, but they aren't central to the gospel either. So people can be good, God-honoring, Bible-believing Christians and come to different conclusions here, and that is okay. Um, and some of them might mean that we need to be in a different church, right? If, if somebody thinks that, say, a woman should be a pastor, well, Parkside Bible Church is not going to be a good fit for you. Um, doesn't mean we don't think you're saved. It just means this is not the best fit. Um, other issues, as far as maybe a, a more technical definition of what the gift of prophecy is, that's not going to cause us to need to be in a different church. Um, but all of these are secondary. They're, they're not essential to the gospel. Um, and I think it's helpful for us just to, to remind ourselves of that, to discuss with one another, um, but ultimately to keep the main thing the main thing. God didn't put us here to have endless debates about technical definitions of sign gifts. He, he put us here to bring glory to himself and to tell others about how glorious he is. And I would say uh, it's okay to be uncomfortable with the subjects, with these subjects, hmm. right? I mean, it, it's okay. I mean, it, 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 we want to, we want to put the Holy Spirit in a box and define everything he does and is going to do. And we like to avoid any kind of experiential kind of emotional or anything like that, because we're in a very, um, you know, we're in a church. It's very, we are, we're very big on, on, on the scripture. And we're very big on being, following our very logical kind of conclusions to things. That's who we are. That's okay. But this kind of subject, the last two weeks is going to push us to be a little bit uncomfortable because if we're going to say, Hey, we're open, but cautious that that's uncomfortable for people. Cause we want a very rigid answer. You know, I want to know exactly what's going on. And we're like, you know what? The Bible doesn't actually tell us exactly what is going on with this. And we need to be able to follow the spirit in this and be comfortable being uncomfortable in these kind of things. No, I, I, I think that is such a wise caution for people is we too often want to put the Holy spirit in a box and all of the new Testament talks about our role is to walk by the spirit, um, which is a very kind of open, um, just leaning in on him. And, and at times that's just kind of sensing and feeling exactly what it is he's calling us to do. But at the same time, scripture does give us some good structure, some guidelines there to help us with that. And I, and I especially, um, was just a, appreciative of how pastor Justin gave us those 12 Ikea instructions. Um, because yeah, sometimes it's helpful to go, all right, I, I know this needs to feel a little more open, but I also want to be cautious about it. Right. So how am I cautious? And I think the things that you walked us through both with tongues this past Sunday and prophecy, the previous kind of help us be cautious while we're open to it. Yeah. Thanks guys. Uh, Pastor Justin, I just thank you for uh, the work that you put in to make these things that typically seem abstract to us uh, kind of practical in a way that we can understand it and kind of put it into use. Um, so we hope this conversation has been helpful for you. You can always reach out to one of the pastors if you have any further questions. You have been listening to You Ask.